0: Hi, it's Joel Pilger, and you're listening to episode 85 of the Rev Thinking Podcast.
1: But also be a leader. Don't just accept it. I do think there's part of this that's politically charged. And I want people to think beyond the politics of the moment and think about what's healthy and good for the people that you serve. Welcome to Rev Thinking, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. This is the conversation between creative leaders and consultants discussing what it really takes to run a thriving creative business.
0: Hey, Joel here at RevThink. You know, RevThink exists to help creative owners thrive in business, life, and career. About today's episode, Tim Thompson and I sat down recently to debate the virtues versus challenges of staying safe versus opening up. And I'm just going to let that be the intro to this conversation because we chatted about this topic for nearly an hour, and I don't think it needs any additional setup. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Tim, you and I have had pretty different experiences over the past two months, haven't we?
1: Absolutely. You think so?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've been somewhat um, maybe the, the typical hunker down, ride it out, right? Like I'm in a, I'm in a small city uh, and not exposed to the masses and so forth. And on the one hand, that's been great, but it has its trade-offs. And then your experience has been, well, I'll say, uh, quite a contrast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's explain it a little bit. Cause I, I don't want people to think that I was careless or just on a road trip for the heck of it. Um, Beyond just being a curious person, that isn't what necessarily drove me to driving across the United States during a pandemic. Right, sure. Um, my my family had um, a, an apartment in New York City as well as in the house I live in in Oregon. And um, when the pandemic hit, um, we needed to get out of our apartment in New York. Obviously, the work I was doing that was face-to-face has completely shut down. And the, um, the company that was leasing the apartment g- gave us an opening uh, that we can renegotiate and get out of the, um, the apartment. We thought that was a good business move and life move to not having, ha- having that hanging over our head. So we had to responsibly go into New York City uh, about four weeks ago or say let's say like in the middle of the curve of this pandemic right? and take care of business. We didn't have any other choice but to kind of deal with it as it was that led me and my family to uh, go to New York City, um, take care of business there, put our stuff into a minivan, whatever we couldn't sell, and then drive across the United States with the rest of it. So I have experienced this pandemic through multiple situations from, from the center of it, but it felt like across the United States or the Southern part of the United States. And uh, it's been very different than, uh, I've been watching you on a daily basis during the daily briefing. And I see the same backdrop for you. on (laughs) daily Yes. Yes. In
0: my, in my office with the sun shining and the green trees outside in my little garden that we've planted, but here's, you know, some, some people have seen this play out because we started this thing called the daily briefing. Um, Right. When the pandemic started to hit, we said, we have to start this conversation called, let's get our community, our, these fellow owners and our clients together and let's process every day and it 's been therapeutic, right, um, but like you said, every day there was there was this season where you were at home, and then all of a sudden Tim was in New York, and then Tim was in Tennessee, and then Tim was <laughs> wherever Colorado and so forth and I think you and I started having this i 'll call it friendly debate of well, what is the responsible decision, and of course, the question we ask really on behalf of our clients right in our in our industry of do we reopen? How do we reopen? How do we respond? Is, are we never reopening? It's never going back to, quote, normal, so therefore get used to it. So these are the questions that have been on our minds.
1: Yeah, and I think we've been processing it differently. Um, where, I'll just say from the, from because I've traveled and seen different situations, I feel like I've um, felt the economic impact of the pandemic differently from um, a small town in Pennsylvania where we first stopped, you know, a remote location in Tennessee, staying in downtown Nashville, uh, staying in downtown Las Vegas, staying in a remote part of Colorado, These, um, each situation had a different kind of governance of the state, um, different conditions that they were dealing with. But I'll, I'll say this, I, I, there might be like a primary beginning of why I was willing to, um, you know, go do this thing. And um, some of it, I just, again, like, I don't want to sound like I was foolish or callous or didn't understand the situation of the pandemic, but I I guess, like, I firmly believe that um, the thought of self-care, quarantining, uh, protecting myself and protecting others had a need and a purpose, and I did that, but also being in a car at 80 miles an hour, traveling across I-70, didn't take me out of quarantine. And I, but I do think there's one, there was a key phrase I was seeing across the United States that I struggle with because I think I disagree with this phrase. It would be seen on the kiosk on the highway. And it said this, stay home, save a life. Um, And I primarily disagree with that, that phrase. So I think that um, as a belief didn't slow me down Um, because I, didn't believe I was putting anybody at, in harm's way by taking responsibility, any different than the people that were traveling a few blocks to go to Trader Joe's. I was, tra- I was required by the way, but traveling miles in the same condition, putting myself in the same under situation. And I don't think I was putting anyone's life at danger because I was traveling. So I think that's the one like I feel like was holding people um, back in a certain way. Uh, how about you? What? Did you did you did you hear that message? Did you believe that message or struggle with that message yourself? Well, I'm
0: laughing because I'm like, how did you know I went to Trader Joe's? I didn't tell you that. <laughs> um, well, that's what's funny. I, so this maybe it's not very interesting because I know I'm supposed to uh, take a strong position, right? That's in contrast to yours. But I would actually agree with what you said because there's this thinking that we hear a lot called if it if it saves one life, right? Whatever that thing is, it's worth it. And I don't I don't think that that is actually Good reasoning. It's good the way that actually plays out. It's extreme. It's very extreme. So I would agree with you there. But my experience, I will say, maybe is just a lesser version of yours because I did take a road trip uh, for Mother's Day and was took a you know eight hour drive to Atlanta and spent time there. But again, I was keeping quarantine. So how I traveled and the family I went to see, we were all very careful to to remain in quarantine. But I think the uh, where you fall on that line it's like it's a moving target because every day we're hearing more of reopening that's crazy not reopening that's extreme i i guess you you and i are maybe you're on the slightly more on the right side i'm a little bit more on the left side of this but i don't know that we're all that far apart and if i was a business owner you know which is i'm of course living this vicariously through all of our clients who run studios and production companies. And they're they're asking the same question, but I will say this, for the most part, they have adapted to this working remote incredibly well, other than the, the live action companies who, of course, have, have made some major sacrifices. But it's been remarkable, I think, to see the resiliency of all of these small companies figuring it out. Because when it first hit, everyone was like, pack your bags, go home, right? Save a life. We were in that mindset. And now we're starting to say, okay, I think I can draw the line a little more over here yeah. in the middle.
1: Yeah. I, I think there was a, a slight motivation for me to, to, um, um, uh, I will admit there was, um, a similar fear that other people were experiencing cause I talked to them and I understand it. And there was this, um, you know, there was nothing physically different between a Friday in New York City and the Saturday in New York City that I experienced originally when the pandemic first got started. And then we left that Sunday, we left early on that Sunday. But clearly when uh, my wife went to two plays on a Thursday uh, in Broadway, or maybe it was a Wednesday on Broadway. And on that Thursday, all of Broadway was canceled. And you think like within 24 hours, the pandemic wasn't twice as aggressive, they were doing something proactive. And I thought it was pretty interesting and pretty neat how New York City was willing to understand and respond, kind of get on board and begin doing the work necessary to make their city healthy. I thought that was pretty credible. I loved the, the clanging of the pots and pans at 7 p.m. And there's a real kind of New York City part of what was happening. Really beautiful to experience. When we returned to New York two weeks later, it was um, a very different feeling it was uh people or actually i i think it was actually a month later it was probably uh, three and a half weeks later people have already been quarantined they had been in remote places outside of the city or inside the city and then in talking to them they I honestly it felt like they were driven by fear too much and they were quoting things that i heard on the news also but it didn't make i'll just say logical sense so people have quarantined themselves out in you know in the remote areas of, of the upstate New York, haven't seen somebody for three or four weeks, and they come into the city and they're still afraid that they're contagious or going to give it to someone else, started having a concern. I kept thinking, wait a second, that their reaction and the logic that we heard or the agreements that we had, the logic didn't seem to match. So I started doing some research and started realizing I have a responsibility to understand this as a leader. And then to your point, Joel, like as a business owner, I felt, kept feeling like we should encourage other business owners to take on this responsibility, not put themselves in harm's way or their employees in harm's way, but to understand what they're asking people to do and what's the reasonable limit and maybe possibly a political limit that's outside of reasonable and take a stand or um, begin at least being proactive in processing it. So when given the first chance, they can be out there doing live action shoots or gathering their company together, employees together to do to work and not wait and wait and wait for someone else to tell them what to do, but do some work themselves. Um, I think that's just probably what began, I mean, literally began my journey and kind of mentally began my journey too of what I was kind of gathering along the, uh, the, for those three weeks I was on the road.
0: Well, I, yeah, there was a, gosh, there was a moment when you and I and Marcel at State as we were preparing for a daily briefing conversation, I was still, I would say, uh, you know on this side of the argument, meaning uh, err on the side of caution. We don't know at reopening how much there's gonna be a, a surge of the virus and so forth. But then there was a headline that Marcel shared with us, which I think was from the LA Times. And I thought, wow. The headline was something like the economic damage of the coronavirus may cause more deaths than the virus itself. And I'm, I may be paraphrasing, so please don't, don't quote me. But I realized, oh, this isn't some political rant. You know, this is a, a, a genuinely well-researched article from a major uh, journal, journalistic, uh, journal, journalism outlet. And as I read the article, it was really talking about the economic impact around the world, not so much the United States. But that thought really did get my attention because you realize, oh, right, there are harms and damages caused by this pandemic that go far beyond people contracting the virus and suffering health consequences, and that really got me thinking. I haven't yet, I'll just be honest, I haven't fully processed that thought through because I'm, I'm here in my little bubble. I don't have access to all the information to make some sort of a informed decision or judgment. But I, so I guess I'll just say my default posture is always, I don't know, but I'm thinking about it.
1: Yeah, and I think the, at that moment, um, and I think I was a little bit ahead of the curve, you're right. Um, but at that moment, I was almost irate because... In the same time we're understanding that, and there should be some clarity, I don't think this is, I think this is pretty obvious, but we should make sure it's stated, that there are economies around that world that require the US's economy to be strong. And as we shut down, those economies go into zero, and those people that are near poverty or are already in poverty, they shut down to nothing. So that's major harm we're doing to major people groups, which when the going is good, There are uh, certain people in the United States that would absolutely promote that kind of care. And it was awkward to me that the same people I follow or I'm attached to in circles that would promote that were the first ones telling us stay at home, shut down. And, And the people worried about, this is what they were saying, the people that were worried about the economy were money hungry, as if economics is only about dollars in someone's pocket. Very frustrating to kind of put some critical thinking to that problem and realizing the actual impact and wanting to advocate for the harm, because here's, the, here's what would make me irate, white privilege became very obvious. And the reason why I posted very little on social media is because I didn't know how to express the thought of these posts that would say, woe is you, you know, you wanna go out and you wanna go work, you know, you could sit at home watching your Netflix, eating your ice cream, drinking your wine, why do you have to go out and produce as mm. if like, wow, what a cush little sweet world that you live in, that you, you live in a Netflix and drink wine, but people in the United States, there are some house conditions or home conditions where absolutely that doesn't exist in their home. Yeah, sure. And there are some family units that don't get that thing. And we were, you're really seeing a posh posture of how good life could be because it took an extra four week vacation, but they, but they had the money to, And it really was insensitive to so many other crises that were taking place. I didn't know how to express it. I wanted people to be compassionate about the reality.
0: Let me me actually give you a visual. Again, not very interesting because I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm going to actually give you some visual evidence. Because there was a picture you sent me when you went through JFK. I'm going to actually put it on my screen because you'll recognize it. Okay, you remember this image? No, yeah. All right. And this really nailed it for me. Okay, so you sent me this image and you said, Joel, look, these screens at JFK are usually full to the brim with flights departing in the next hour. These are all the flights departing for the entire day. Yeah. Now, of course, I couldn't help but notice it was all Delta flights. And of course, except for the one. It's Terminal
1: dad, 4 in, yeah. in <laughs> and my, uh, JFK. You know, my dad yeah. being
0: a Delta pilot, I thought, oh, and it's near and dear to my heart. But what, what really caught my attention, though, was uh, when I posted that, someone on social media made the comment, oh, that's so great for the planet. And I thought, oh, okay. I mean, that, there, there is a valid point to be made there for sure. The carbon footprint that we're creating and the damage to the environment, like I, that's obviously a negative thing. But I thought, you know what? If I was a worker at JFK, not a white privileged person, I was whatever, the person who works in the restaurants there, or I was a baggage handler or something. I don't think I would be celebrating right now. Um, So it's, it's, it's in general, it's so difficult to stereotype because as soon as you take thousands or millions of people and you push them into one category, as we say, it's very easy for you to say. So it's- yeah,
1: Keep the thought going. Uh, by the way, we should describe for people who are listening. It was a shot of four boards, I think, four, three or four three, uh, screen exactly boards. Three
0: uh, departure um, monitors.
1: There are six flights total for the entire day at JFK um, um, Terminal 4. The ironic part of this and what I love is that Lady Liberty is the backdrop for these items. So it's yes. Liberty in a moment where people are not free to do what they want to. So I love that, that contrast. Yeah. But Joel, take that step further all the flights that are not happening, going to economies that require us to go to that economy, to, to help them um, produce, to help them create, to help them mm-hmm. um, buy and sell. We're shutting down global economies when we can't um, fly like that. And again, like it's not that the, the, the virus and the need to control the virus wasn't important. That should be very clear, and, we under, and neither one of us misunderstands mm-hmm. that. It's the thought of uh, critically thinking what the problem is, And then not being insensitive to all the problems instead of just the one that's convenient to you, I think is the one that I started realizing. Because I I traveled across the U.S. Again, I went through uh, the East Coast, uh, Pennsylvania, um, Maryland, Virginia, Tennessee, stopped in Kansas City for a while, saw some friends and stayed with my family there, stayed with my mother in Denver, and then ended up in Los Angeles. And those different economies, you could see the impact, you could see the stress, you could see the worry, um, you can see the issues. And, and honestly, just going from 11th Avenue to 5th Avenue in New York City, I mean, I, I was encouraging the New Yorkers I was talking to you like, you should go down to 5th Avenue because the only people you're gonna see on 5th Avenue are the people that live on the street on 5th Avenue. And it becomes very apparent what's happening to their city and the, and the desperate nation that's being created and I think to your point is, is that what we bypassed or we, we didn't kind of allow for or encourage is innovation. We were right. basically panicking, running, protecting, saving what's mine instead of thinking through processing, innovating, and helping something greater than just yourself. That, a very frustrating moment. So as I've been saying, like I kind of kept quiet for a while because I was processing something internally that I knew I'd be... I don't know, I guess, beat up for or shamed or misunderstood if I put it out there. As a leader, I I often feel like my responsibility is greater than myself. And I was trying to take on a sense of responsibility outside of my discomfort, right? Or outside of my comfort zone into a place that I would not necessarily want to be in, but thinking through what's necessary. So at least I could be a leader and and guide others if necessary.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think for me that that image of those Delta flights, few Delta flights on those monitors hit home to me because I recognize if my father was still alive and flying for Delta Airlines, I would have a big problem with a statement like, oh, isn't that nice for the planet? Because I would say, well, wait a minute. Delta has hundreds of thousands of employees that are now laid off in jeopardy at risk. So it's it's very easy to make you know, gross generalizations uh, and be and be insensitive. But I will say, I love the word that you said innovative because I still am very much holding my breath, right, as states start to reopen and worried that three or four weeks from now we're going to see another spike. It seems inevitable. The math, you know, is, is unfortunately um, in favor of things not going as well as we hope. But at the same time, innovation says – that doesn't mean we just stop, right? Mm -hmm. There is a way forward. And in the daily briefing, we've been talking constantly back and forth, asking questions called, what is this new economy that's gonna emerge out of this? And how do we not just stand by and wait for it to show up, but how do we actually start to create it? Uh, The live action people, especially, they've already been brainstorming and sharing as part of our community. Here's how we're adapting. We've had some people do more or less full-blown shoots. I shouldn't say full-blown, but I would say uh, care- careful and responsible shoots. And to see the industry stepping up and adapting, it's been very encouraging. So I like that work that you say there a lot. Um, you know, if knowing, knowing what the risks are, right? Hindsight's always 20, twenty We're gonna look back at some point and say, well, we thought we were innovating all we did was you know spread the virus but at the same time i don't like the mentality of don't do anything and save a life because i think that's faulty
1: yeah and the only so like the only innovation we've been hopelessly waiting for is a vaccine as if no other innovation is possible i think that's very limited mm-hmm. um to me the word i think i would hold on to at this point is the word responsiveness like i would add a respect for my government and the government's respect for me, we should have an understanding of responsiveness. They should respond to the needs. They should respond to the current situation. They should be able to control it. And I should respond to their requests. I felt like um, the, the early on, we all responded to the need and request. We stepped up. We did it. We should be praised and thanked for that. And then as, this, as the states open up or the economy opens up, there should be uh, some watching and caring and collaboration to make sure it happens. Um, it's very frustrating for me that people use this word like it's all about science. Let's not be fooled. We know that's a political term. That's not a scientific term, because mm-hmm. science does not agree. Science is a method, not, a, not an answer. Right. <laughs> um, so we're all using science, the people that contradict each other use science, the people that had it wrong use science, the people that are still, ha- are still confused by it have science, the people looking for innovation have science. Science is the process which we're going through to discover things. We're all using science, but which seems to be something that's separating us. So very foolish to hold on to a term that isn't there. But I think what's nice and important is the word responsiveness. Even within your business, this is the one I, I would hold on to and make relevant for our business owners. You know, responsiveness is now very important for employees and for business owners to, to collaborate and share and talk to one another. I know for certain, I've talked to some business owners and have some as clients that are concerned about their leaders. And they're saying to me, Tim, I know I should open up. I, I have this client where we have these issues and uh, it's creating some of a, a crisis, but I'm afraid my employees, my key employees aren't going to come together right. at this moment. And you're like, right. oh, that's, that's a leadership and collaboration issue. And we have to have this understanding of, res- of respect within our society. There's a social contract that we all kind of live within. And you have to have that same social contract within your business saying, we're not gonna do anything to harm each other, but we should be understanding open and critical thinkers as we collaborate on the answer. Um, well, that, that's a very Madden. necessary part.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is where it gets super messy. Super messy is if I'm a small creative firm, I'm an owner, and I look ahead and I said, hey, in three weeks, we're going back to work and here's the boundaries, here's the policies, here's the procedures. And one of my top employees says, I'm not comfortable with that. And if I make the decision, well, then I need to lay you off and replace you. Whoa, that is a very charged situation. And I am not gonna sit here and say, oh, it goes this way or it goes that way. Here's right, here's wrong. I just wanna be like, put it out there. That is that's incredibly uh, difficult. And there's gonna be a lot of emotions and a lot of uh, finger pointing and so forth, however people make those decisions.
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna speak from the point of view of possibly a a more harsh sounding kind of thought in that, and that you as a business owner also need to have a strong team around you. And as some of these team members are showing, I hate to use this term, but this is what I'm gonna use so that it's heard well. Um, As these team members are showing weakness, and you need strength, there needs to be a reconciliation there. So you need to be able to talk to that person, understand their needs, find out what that really is. But if some people really are showing weakness and and can't construct an ability to become stronger, then you also need to position your company and be strong for your company. That's so harsh. I know what it sounds like, I promise. It sounds like some industrial um, bad guy, but it's a reality of what you have. You're a business owner, and you're a thought leader, and you're a caretaker, and you're a leader, and you're also a servant. And all those emotions are attached to each other, but you really are trying to pioneer a business in an economy that we don't yet understand. And you have to be able to pivot and be strong. So have some open and honest conversations, give people their time off that they need to, like do it in a gracious way, but don't compromise the ability to support others in your business because of, because a person or two are being weak. Like you are actually trying to get all people on the same boat going the same direction and you can't sabotage everyone for, for the weakness of one or two. Be very careful. I'm just guessing, what I want to say that.
0: No, I know. I mean that, that term you used, I'm, I I know some people that would instantly call you a capitalist pig (laughs) (laughs) for, for using that term. But I also know this, that the, the employer employee contract, for the most part, the understanding is it's like a right to work relationship uh, engagement. It is a, this works as long for me as long as it works for me or for you, vice versa. And at the moment, this doesn't work for either of us, we can end this relationship. But of course, in a time when there's so much uh, economic uncertainty, owners, trust me, every owner we talk to, is they're all erring on the side of how do I take care of my people? How do I keep them going? How do I keep paying them? How do I? So there's no one, I have not met anyone that is falling on the other side of that argument called, hey, I got to take care of number one. I'm letting all my people go. Tough luck. That's just not the heart, I think, of the, the, the the most owners and certainly not people in our industry. So, I think I would simply offer that to anyone who hears what you said and says, "Whoa, that's extreme. That's not the heart of of all the owners that you and I know
1: yeah, well said. you're just trying to create an opposing point of view i'm I'm not um yeah I'm not talking about Amazon here, right I'm talking about um, the people that we know that are the reason they started the business and um think about the think about the fourth stage of your creative careers about influence you don't want to lose that by cutting people off and creating frustration and anger and angst. But you also won't survive through it if, you are, if you're not thinking about it in a critical way. And I'm just, okay. you and I try to create some critical thinking. We want people to open up to some new thoughts and process them. We're not as hardcore as um, we can come off. That's um, a good
0: point because you're right. Over the span of your career, your reputation is one of your greatest assets. It's the way that you're going to influence and make the world a better place ultimately. So you do have to very much protect that and guard that, and that's a long-term process. Well, let's let's try and put a bow on this conversation. I think because we're going to be bumping up on an hour here, which is about twice as long as we try to go on Rev thoughts. Do you want to give uh, people listening a sense of okay, now what? What are we? What are we doing? Where are we going from here? Um, what is Rev Think doing, and what what do we have? up next to help people as they're processing these questions?
1: Yeah, my big message is it's going to be okay. And I want people to know that. I, I remember the first time I touched that strange doorknob and wondering if I was spreading coronavirus or the first time I walked into a location and thought, is this okay? Is this gonna be all right? Am I, like, Is it just sitting there in the air? And then um, a few weeks later to be standing on, a, on the beach in Newport Beach, there was police officers there. We weren't breaking the law. The lifeguards are saying, you know, not get out of the water, but just don't swim too close to the pier, move away from the pier. And you realize, oh, wait a second, life is still continuing. And this virus is not hanging over every cloud and falling out of the sky and going to just uh, wipe us all out. Um, There's got to be a level of responsibility. And I say, follow the guidelines um, that make sense to your government or whatever conditions are you, you work in, but also be a leader. Don't just accept it. I do think there's part of this that's politically charged, And I want people to think beyond the politics of the moment and think about what's healthy and good for the people that you serve. That's, I'll say that again, like think beyond the politics of the moment and think about what's healthy and good for the people you serve. So don't just promote the hate of the other party and trying to find the bad guy that did something because nobody did this to one another, but there are, there's a real condition that we can control that we can be on top of and we can promote and and make uh, well. And uh, your friend of mine that had the virus and would kind of process through it, it came out healthy. Like there are, there's more survivors than anyone's talking about. There's a lot of strength, a lot of people that weren't affected by the issue. Um, so I want everyone to know it's going to be okay. And I want them to go out and start living life. I want them to t- take, a, take a walk, take a dip, deep breath, and then figure out what they're going to do next to make themselves healthy and strong and their business strong. Cause that's all part of our need and our responsibility in this process.
0: Well, I took two walks today. So, you know, I'm really living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably passed 50 people as I went on my, uh, my daily loop. Well, what, uh, what, well, let's, let's encourage people with, uh, we've been doing this daily briefing. Um, as you can imagine, it takes a huge toll on both you and myself. And as much as we would love to continue doing that daily, we are going to shift it to perhaps some sort of a weekly conversation. So we do invite people to stay tuned and we'll be announcing what that turns into. Um, but we're also excited to take a lot of those people that have come together and and formed a, a new community or expanded our existing community and bring them together uh, into an accelerator where we're going to ask the question, Where w- what is happening right now and how are we going to come together and innovate? That's the word you mentioned earlier. What does innovation look like right now? Because June is coming, right? That's kind of what you've been saying in my ear for a while.
1: Yeah. And and specifically, this is a very acute time to deal with a very acute issue. But there are some universal principles that are always true. And then there are some of them that are those principles are so close together, the yin and the yang are so close together that we need to be able to think through specifically what to do in this moment, let time play itself out over a few months, and then respond again to it. So we're going to to be able to teach people what to see, how to process, how to make a decision now, and then be willing to be open to and respond to a, a future decision. And not think it's gonna, you make it once and, and business is good for a lifetime. We're talking about something, making decisions now in four to six months, having to pivot again to make 2021 a very strong uh, well, year it's, for yourself.
0: It's, it's actually one reason I love that we named this accelerator Revolve, and I really love it because it's this idea of to evolve again, to re-evolve, uh, because I think this is very much like as a if you're an owner of a firm, you know you're always evolving. So in a way, this is the same thing that you've always done. Maybe now it's just being forced upon you, right? You may not like the terms, <laughs> but this process we're about to go through is let's evolve again. And like you said, four weeks from now, eight weeks from now, guess what? We're going to continue to re-evolve. So I, I look forward to being part of that process to come up with some of those answers and solutions for all of these, these owners.
1: Yeah, me too. And I think the small groups we're going to create the tight knit communities, we're almost going to um, create a, that same energy and that, spirit that's in the cohort groups that we do to be able to create some small groups that people can process together. I think it's such a unique opportunity to be sharing your life with a, with a, another business owners that's going through the same thing the same moment. Such a unique where we live in our bubbles too much. So, I think those two aspects, to to think different, understand some principles and process together, really are going to set the people in revolve apart from from the crowd. I'm excited to be part of it.
0: Well, so maybe we should uh, we should bookmark that question about June and pick that up in a, in a future episode, because I think there's uh, perhaps a whole conversation around that. So let's hold that thought.
1: Sounds great You've been listening to the Rev Thinking Podcast. For more information on upcoming accelerators, events, or to learn how RevThink advises creative entrepreneurs like you, connect with us at RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called RevCommunity. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends. And it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.